Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're getting through the week. Oh, man. Never dull, never dull. I'm just kind of tracking some of the polls around elections and can be a little disheartening. I'm holding space for the fact that we might be disappointed in the election, which is mind-boggling that anyone is still voting for Trump at this point after seeing uh, his ongoing problematic behavior, ridiculousness, uh, mental health issues, stupidity, lack of awareness of global politics and reason and logic. But there we are. That's the world we're living in. So again, I want to remind everyone to vote, register to vote, check to make sure you are. Reach out to those around you, text them the link saying, hey, here's how you make sure you're registered or here is how you register. And uh, follow up, make sure they register, do it with them, say, ah, let's do it together. Literally takes a couple minutes, get those mail-in ballots and get them right back in. It's kind of the responsibility on all of us to support those around us, to make it easier for them. Maybe even get a group together and go to the polls together, pack a lunch, bring the right kind of clothing. It's going to take a minute, wait in that line, it's worth it. So um, yeah, we really got to rally together because if we're talking about mental health and social justice, um, Trump's reelection will not be part of that. We got to get Biden and Kamala, Kamala Harris in there. Um, yeah, let's talk about some news though. Um, always, always lots going on. So there's a bunch of states that now require travelers to self quarantine or present a negative COVID test, right? So it's a little bit of an evolution and that's because the holidays are coming up, right? Thanksgiving. Um, well, again, indigenous people's day. Some people still honor Thanksgiving by saying that it's still so much part of my brain that it falls right out. Also Christmas. So New Year's as well. So us today broke down which states you can travel to without any proof of a COVID test. In which states you'll have to prove your negative test. Otherwise, isolate for 14 days. You know, not everyone's traveling for 14 days. So if you can't pull that off, you better get tested so you have a negative test. So basically, Alaska, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., Hawaii, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Wisconsin, will all require you to provide a negative test or you have to self-quarantine for 14 days upon entry. They also have special rules depending on where you're entering from. Arkansas, California, Florida, New Hampshire, New Mexico, and South Carolina, West Virginia, all do not require travelers from out of state to self-quarantine or present a negative test, but they recommend it. (laughs) I like that final point, but they recommend it. They think it's a good idea. I know that it's gotten very confusing. It's not consistent. It changes frequently. Especially if you're trying to leave the country, that makes it even more distinct and different. It's, uh, I can't imagine traveling for the holidays. I know it's important to a lot of people, especially if you've been self-isolating or have you know, a new family member or a child that was born. But I'd really want to advise that everyone just kind of stay home, hunker down, get the movies ready, have some food, 
kind of fly solo this year, but y'all have to decide for yourselves what makes sense. Also, the average couple has no has not taken a trip together in seven months. Well, yeah, that's not a shocker. Some couples go years. But according to a new survey, almost 50% of couples say it's been difficult to keep the spark alive with their partner during the pandemic. Um, some have said it's been good for them, others said it's bad, but the couple says they haven't gone anywhere outside their home in more than seven months. That's 40%. Um, you know, again, I, I want everyone to make do with what we have access to. You can still go for walks, you can still picnic, you can eat out in many restaurants, you can get delivery and then take that out somewhere safe. There's so many ways, we just have to get creative and we have to diversify. As I said yesterday, it's not gonna be the way it was before, but it doesn't have to, right? There's so many beautiful ways to connect because if we're trying to just, build more time in with friends, family members, loved ones, go on a date. It's really about us being together. It's not about what we're doing. So it doesn't matter that we don't have access to these amazing things we used to do, right? It's just about that together time. Uh, more news, anti-maskers in Indonesia ordered to dig graves for COVID victims. Yeah, that's right. So the, you know, those people that are saying, look, we're not wearing masks, we're not here for it. The government has said, all right, cool. You're gonna dig the graves of the people that have died for COVID, teach a lesson. Man, eight people in Indonesia, in Indonesia who refused to wear a mask in public were required by authorities to dig the graves for those who died. That's rough. That's real. They're not, no joke. The order is meant to be an eye-opening punishment for those who simply choose to defy the face-covering rule in place. Before the punishment, there were only three grave diggers helping to make space for hospitals that are still currently filled with patients. Indonesia has more than 218,000 cases and more than 8,000 deaths. It's real, y'all. This stuff isn't over. This is still happening. You know, got to kind of pay attention to that. Um, all right, got a great show planned for you. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. And also we'll be doing some DMs. Talk about some important stuff today. We're talking about which countries are ahead of the curve for social progress. But coming up next, we're going to talk about some relational things not to do. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night up on our Loveline AG page, so weigh in on that. All right, so let's talk about things that couples do that lead to divorce. We have a lot of research looking at what are the you know common traits that couples fall into that is a predictor of possibility of having to break up. And then we can use that in the inverse and say, well, these are the things that you wanna make sure you're not bringing into your relationship, thereby making it too full of resentment or too toxic to really push forward, right? The health of a relationship is not determined by the length of time that it exists. So relationships aren't failures when they end. There's no such thing as a relational failure unless you didn't show up as your best. Well, then you failed the relationship. But a relationship coming to a place where they realize this isn't something we wanna take forward or it's not good for us, that's success. And so people that have had multiple short-term relationships, that could be a healthy sign that they do their best and when they realize it's not working, they leave. Relationships shouldn't be forever unless they're healthy for us. And that's a very difficult thing to pull off, especially again, remember, as we're living longer and longer, that means we're expecting more from each other for longer periods of time. And that's not something, and that's why like, I'm working with a lot of couples on creating really different and interesting relational configurations. We call it designer relationships. There's no right way, what do y'all need? And more and more couples, especially the younger generations, are realizing that after a certain point, they wanna open up, maybe date others, have some sex with others, bring others in, and they're realizing monogamy isn't gonna last forever. Now that's always the lazy go-to example. There's a multitude of ways that couples reorient things. Having separate rooms, separate dwellings, more diverse, whatever it is. Um, but let's talk about some of the things that are surefire signs that this relationship isn't going to be at its best or its most resilient. So the first one is that they work against each other. One of the things I'm reminding couples all the time in my office is that you should always be trying to think in terms of us and we. When we get into an attached romantic relationship, it is a regressive fusion 
back with another. And we have to consider the impact everything we're doing on our partner. We're a unit. We're a feedback loop. Our brains and our nervous system says wired together. We are no longer a total separate self. We want to maintain levels of separate self, but we also have to understand that we're now part of a one unit. So working against each other is this idea that we forget that we're on the same page, we're on the same team. And that's part of our larger culture. We're obsessed with individualism. What's in it for me? What do I need? And we don't often remind ourselves or socialize people to remember to think about how we impact others. So you have to keep reminding yourselves when you're fighting or when you're about to enter into conflict, we're on the same team. How can we be collaborative? How can we be cooperative? Our partner isn't our enemy. We might be angry with them. We might be frustrated, but we're all working towards the same goal. And so you have to remind yourself that there's a difference in the energy and the way a conversation goes when you're thinking we're in this together, we're on the same team versus it's me against you. And people get trapped and they forget that, right? Um, Also using these things like always, never, anything that that is that absolute is not correct. No one always anything. No one never, ever anything. So be specific, water it down. It's all about right-sizing things, not catastrophizing and dramatizing. So it's never, you know what I mean? So we gotta keep perspective, right? Don't polarize. Um, Something else to think about is, you know, some relationships get very fragile or people have very low tolerance for intimacy. And that can happen more so as we get to know each other. In the beginning, it's very easy to share and express. But a lot of couples get to a point where they stop going deeper. And the definition of intimacy, how you know that you're continually building it, is that you're sharing things that make you a little anxious. And your partner is too. And that's because you're being very vulnerable. You're being very honest, very transparent. And it might not be topics that relate to both of you, but you're, you're making sure yourself is known. And that's how you get away from being one of those couples where you're not having a lot of conversation anymore because you've already shared those really easy, safe, superficial things. And to keep the intimacy going, you have to keep sharing what you're thinking, what you're doing, what you're dreaming, what you're wishing. So again, work on always communicating your needs and feelings. Be that person that's, be that person where someone's like, oh my God, no one does that. You're right. People say it to me all the time in my relationships, like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, I'm very transparent. I'm very honest. I'll ask for what I need. I'll ask for what I'm thinking. We'll discuss it. I don't assume. I don't withhold. I'm not passive aggressive. I'll ask for what I think I need. And we'll talk about that because as we talked about in yesterday's show, you never want to be in a relationship where one of you or both of you have created a dynamic where we're scared. We're scared to ask for things. We're scared to be ourselves. We're scared to tell our partner how their behavior is impacting us. That's not a healthy relationship, right? That's emotional abuse. So resolve that, work through that. Um, also spending less time together, or maybe stopping. It can be healthy for some couples to allow more space, focus on other relationships in their life, other factors. But if there's too much distance and we're actually moving away or closing off, that's a sign that the relationship's ending. And you need to decide if you want to renew and come back or you want to kind of exit and move on. But that in-between limbo state could also fall under a little bit of emotional abuse, but also it's just not what the relationship's really seeking to do. Don't have someone just to have someone. That's not really meaningful or even beneficial to either of you. Be with someone because you want to be with them. And if you don't, exit. But if you want to be with them, work on maintaining closeness and some time together. Also, seeking solutions outside the relationship. I want everyone to come back to their partner in the relationship and go to them to ask for what they need and see if it can be met. And if not, discuss how are there other ways to get those needs met, whether it's social things, sexual things. Our partner doesn't need to meet every single need. And even though a lot of people say we know that, we still seek that. We, we are allowed to outsource. We're allowed to go to our friends to get other needs met. It's not emotional cheating. It's called intimacy. I want people to have intimacy with their friends. Your partner doesn't necessarily have every interest you have. They can't necessarily meet every need. That's okay. That's why we have multiple relationships in our lives. We turn to others. And then finally, seeking help. 
it's really okay to seek help. Couples therapy is a beautiful resource that's available to a lot of people. Make use of that. That's not a sign things are bad or broken. Get into it sooner than later. It's a sign that the relationship's important to you and that you want this to have some, excuse me, you want this to have sustainability and you want to be good for each other. That's what couples therapy communicates. Um, and for some couples, it's the last ditch effort to really see if we can make this work and to really see what's possible within the relationship. So it's a really beautiful thing. So remember that you don't have to be alone on, out there, you know, with all of this. All right. Question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page. Coming up next, we're going to talk about pleasure and how do we center our lives with more pleasure in it? Because we tend to not do that and we even shame and pathologize those that do. It's a very foreign concept to us. So we'll be back in two minutes, two minute promise. We'll see you back in two minutes, never longer than that. You're not going to miss me listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Question night up on our Loveline IG page. DMs are always open. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be talking about some myths around heartbreak, lies, lies that your heart and your heartbreak will tell you, as well as talking about the top countries that are really kicking butt with social progress. And spoiler alert, United States, as always, we're not doing so great anymore. We are not number one. We're actually not, we're actually not number one for anything except for some COVID stuff. Other, or, uh, we're getting there with fascism, but otherwise we're not number one, not educationally, <laughs> not in happiness, not in access to resources, not in social justice, got a lot of work to do. Um, but I want to talk about pleasure. We live in a pleasure phobic society. We, we really, really get thrown off when people are driven by pleasure. Think about it. We put limits on everything that's pleasure-based, sex, food, fun, but we have no issue with anyone working themselves into an early grave. My dad died from working too hard and the stress related. And I made that decision. I wasn't going to be that person. That work is important. I have bills. I love the work I do. But pleasure and joy are going to be more important to me. Pleasure, joy, and relationships. That's what my life is centered in. And not everyone can do that, but yet you can. And it's about making small tweaks. I didn't quit all my jobs. and I don't just roll around having sex, eating food all day long. I, I still actively engage in a big career, which has multiple levels and you know is a vast part of my time. But how do I build pleasure into that? How can you make your day more pleasurable? Let's talk about it, for instance. Um, what are you wearing? I made a decision during COVID. I'm going to start to only wear comfortable clothing. I'm no longer shoving myself into things that don't feel good to my body or myself. And um, one of the things I've been doing is I've been wearing a lot of like sweatpants style pants. And I'm going to continue to because I realize there's not any place I can't go that I enjoy going that I can't wear my sweatpants. I will wear them to the office. I will wear them to dinner. I will wear them to shows because my comfort matters. And I don't need to play into classism or fashion rules in order to be seen as worthy or valuable or attractive or successful. I don't care about being those things. I want to be comfortable. I want to be myself and I want to root myself in pleasure. And so I really started checking in on what I was wearing and I started dressing more casual. And I'm saying all this to inspire you. I wear baseball caps when I do therapy. I wear a lot of comfortable cotton t-shirts and stretchy and stretchier shirts so I can move around because I move a lot. And I'm no longer wearing really tight, uncomfortable things. It's just not reasonable for me. And I think that's one of the powerful things that came out of COVID. How can we focus more on pleasure? Pleasure in what we're eating, pleasure in what we're doing, pleasure in our lives. And there's so many ways to build that in. And that fashion piece I use as a way to just really remind you that we want to look at all the different domains in our lives and say, how can I turn that into something more fun and pleasurable? Even food. I eat foods that make me smile. I don't eat foods that don't make me happy. 
You know what I mean? And I, and I try to use that lens on everything in my life. If someone asks me to do something, I think, how, do, how does it feel to think about doing that? Does it sound joyful and full of pleasure and fun? And if not, can I make it so? And if not, I should probably pass. If someone asks me to hang out and it doesn't sound fun, I don't. If someone offers me a work project and it doesn't seem like it's rooted in any kind of pleasure or joy or tied to my mission statement, nah, I pass. You know, and I really want us to start asking with all the different areas of our life, how can we center it more and center more pleasure and joy? Because we really don't value that. You know, again, if someone said I worked for 12 hours on Saturday, they're like, oh, you're a hard worker. But if someone said, look, I made Saturday all about joy, fun, and pleasure. We're like, oh, you're hedonistic. You're lazy. You're not productive. You're not serious. And it's like, actually, that's someone who's really looking out for their mental health. Because how much pleasure we have in our life is a measure of how much liberation and freedom we are, we have, and our lives are rooted in, right? That's where pleasure and, and freedom is really assessed right? And so it's all about how can I increase the amount of feel good time in my life and create space and not allow shame to be put on me around that. And it's fascinating when you start to just dissect, how can I make my relationship more fun and joyous? How can I make my parenting style or my time with my child more rooted in pleasure and joy or my time with my friends? We talk about this in terms of just mental health and body positivity. Say to your friends, look, let's not be that group of friends that talks poorly about ourselves and other people. That's not fun. I don't walk away feeling good. I don't want to talk about our bodies and how we feel. You know what I mean? Like assessing all these different areas. Um, it's really, really a powerful part of mental health. And it's, it's truly a practice, right? Because it's something we're constantly working at and building in. And what you practice and what you pay attention to is what you become. And we're trying to become more pleasure oriented. Also remember, I'm not talking about going over the top or to a point of excess because that's actually not pleasure based, right? Just like you know, we're, we still have boundaries. We're still looking at the impact something has on us because centering pleasure and joy isn't about something having a negative impact on us, right? Like I talk about that all the time with self-care. Self-care isn't something that leaves you feeling worse, bad, negative. Self-care is only something that's enhancing. It's nourishing. It makes you feel better. And so that's also part of pleasure. So it's not no boundaries. It's not not assessing the impact something has on self and other. It's within the context of health. It's in the context of your integrity. It's in the context of like what your goals are. And that's why I'm always saying, look at all the important factors in your life and see how you can reorient that. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs and question of the night as always up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So still some time to wait on that. Uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, well, we're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris. Thank you so much for taking our questions and listening to them. I'm a single parent with no kids. Oh, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> quite the opposite. I'm a single parent with two kids. Uh, sorry, the, the print here is very small. Their father, same guy, only sees them about once a month. Recently, I got them both iPhones so they could get a hold of me and selfishly track them because their father won't tell me where they go. He has a new girlfriend and won't give me their address. He found their phones, turns off the locations when he's with them, so I hid a tracking device in their backpack. As we wait for the court date, I just wanna know they're safe. Am I being too crazy? Wow, you know, I feel like I need a lot of backstory on that. I Is this person, someone who has a history of violence, is that why you're wanting to track them? Um, what is the court case rooted in? I don't really know how to answer that specifically, so 
uh, as always, I'm going to kind of make it a broader topic and I'll springboard off of that. Yeah, your role as a parent is to look out for the safety and well-being of your children. And if this parent, this father figure isn't healthy for them, it's understandable that you have anxiety and you're looking out for them, which might be part of the court process in case. I don't I don't know. Um, are you being uh, wild or ridiculous? I don't use the word crazy. It's very ableist. That's a way to kind of shame people with mental health issues. So I'm trying to help people get rid of the word crazy. Say what you mean. Is that wild? Is that ridiculous? Is that not smart, right? Um, I don't know. I'm going to go with yes. I'll say, I'm going to say, trust your intuition. I'm going to say you're not someone who catastrophizes because if you are, then maybe you need to back off. I mean, when I first hear about tracking people or things, my anxiety spikes and I want to say, you know, you need to learn to let go, which is in there. If they're going to be spending time with him and if at some point that's court ordered, you're going to have to learn how to let go and find peace with them being with him. And if not, you need to fight as hell to make sure he doesn't have access to them. I don't know how to weigh in on that part, as I said. Um, but I do think that in on, in most of the world, tracking devices are a little over the top. Um, but for some people, that might be necessarily what's needed. I don't know. This is a really def- difficult question for me to help with. Um, feel free to circle back on the DMs with a little more clarification that can help more. Because again, I want to say something that's highly conflictual, which is I don't like the use of tracking devices, but I also support someone trying to be there for their children the way that they need. And that's the thing, folks. Look, there's not a one-size-fits-all answer for most of the dilemmas that come into our lives. But it's important for us to self-reflect and say, is this my stuff? Is this about making me feel confident and comfortable? And is it about my anxiety reduction? Or is this really rooted in me looking out for the other party? Because a lot of decisions we make are rooted in us feeling better. Um, Telling our children how to dress. Mm, That's about us, right? Telling um, the father of our child what they can do with the child. Mm, Might be about us. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping he's a good person. I'm hoping his girlfriend is. I'm hoping that now your child has, your children have two families to be a part of, more love, more joy. I'm not getting that sense, but that's what I'm hoping. So let's see what happens. Um, But give me more information and I can help you out on that. Um, That's why sometimes I think I love the DMs that are very long-winded because you get a lot of backstory. Eh, Sometimes not so much, but that's okay. You know, we we drop the gems as we can, where we can. Want to remind everyone tomorrow night, uh, me and Yesu Ortiz from 97.1 Amp FM are going to be co-hosting a gigantic event across 230 stations. Uh, It's going to be great. Check it out. I have it all posted on my social media. Tons of celebrities will be joining us, all centered in mental health, COVID, and suicide prevention. It's National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, so we want to bring a lot of attention and care to that. We're going to be tackling that. We're going to have the phone lines open. You can call in, talk to us, ask questions. And as I said, tons of awesome celebrities. Check out all my social media to learn more about that, as well as I'm sure We Are Channel Q is going to be posting the crap out of it also over at I'm Listening. But uh, on Dr. Chris's uh, socials, I'll be posting that. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the top countries with social progress and then the lies, the lies about breaking up. Breakups are hard and there's a reason why because there truly is a break, but we don't want to believe the myths which might hold us up and not allow us to move forward. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. I'm uh, going to talk about something a little eye-opening and oh my gosh. So it's basically talking about top 10 countries for social progress. And that's rooted in the work of 2020. Um, And this comes out of the UN, the United Nations Global Goals. And basically they set forth a vision about ending poverty, hunger, making, you know, things like education and healthcare universal, restoring the natural world. What? Yeah, that's right. You know, ecology matters, but a lot of people leave that out of the conversation. And the goals were really set to be achieved, they were hoping by 2030. Based on today's trends, 
looks like it's not gonna happen and they're pushing it back as far as 2082. That hurts my heart because all the things that the goals are centered around are things that are really meaningful and necessary. These aren't you know ridiculous things. These aren't about capitalism and consumption and profit and consumerism. These are about basic human needs. Like I said, hunger, poverty, education, healthcare, looking at how we impact the environment, AKA what keeps us literally able to be alive. Um, and again, 2082 might be when they're reached. That's 50 plus years pushed back. So they basically set up the 2020 Social Progress Index, and that came out on the 10th. And basically, it was looking at um, countries' impact and how they meaningfully showed up to the preventing of the passing on of COVID-19, right? And um, it's not looking good. And basically, when they looked at the research, they were saying that, look, the pandemic has already, listen to these numbers, pandemic has already removed more than 1.3 billion children from the classroom, right? So education down an additional 130, 130 million people, 130 million could experience food insecurity this year. Okay. That's far too many. And the most vulnerable people are having the harshest impacts, right? People with marginalized and exploited identities, right? People of color, queer people, people have disabilities. So we're talking about access to water, sanitation, education, shelter, again, basic human needs that everyone should have access to. So let's look at the top 10. Um, Clearly, the U.S. is not in there. We are number 28, and that's because we're failing all, all, all uh, progress points. We are horrible with ecological and environmentalism. We are horrible with human rights and social rights. Uh, we are horrible with access to health care. I mean, all these things, we just are not excelling. And so, this, you know, my country's been really embarrassing to me. I'm not a nationalist. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't have a special pride for my country versus others. I want everyone to get their needs met. I think more in a universal way. I think about universal consciousness and responsibility. I feel responsible for every human being. I don't arbitrarily say my country only or my state only or my city only or my block only. I mean, it's like ridiculous arbitrary borders that aren't real. And so you got to look out for everyone. We tend to not do that, though. We're rooted in too much nationalism. And that's seen with the Trump administration. Okay, what that leads actually is to more racism, more xenophobia, and all that other messes. It's not inclusive, right? It's exclusive. So uh, America's tanking in everything. Um, you know, great. Number one, though, is Norway. Now, number two, Denmark, and three is Finland. Not shocking. Not shocking at all. They're, they're nailing a lot of things. Norway got the top spot, right? And that's because they are very invested in human well-being. The country ensures every citizen has access to clean water, quality sanitation, shelter, nutritious food, and education. Norway received its lowest marks on property rights for women and discrimination against minorities. Bam, do better. Denmark, number two, similar to Norway, right? Struggles with deaths from diseases. Okay, okay. Finland, number four is New Zealand. Awesome, number five is Sweden. Number six is Switzerland. Bum, ba, da, bum. My other favorite place, number seven, Canada. Because they're all about the safety of political expression, easy access to electricity. So basically what I want us all to hear in this is we got a lot of work to do, but it's things that we can do. We just have to get this guy out. So register to vote, make sure everyone's following up on that voting. This stuff matters. And I want people to start thinking more in terms of a collective consciousness and taking responsibility and accountability for the impact we have on others, but bigger than that, right? The access that others have to the resources and the needs that are just rooted in basic basic life, right? So what's interesting is um, some of you might be familiar with this, others not. I, you know, you ever do some research and you're reading and you click on a link and you read that and you kind of go down a rabbit hole. And 
I was looking at the happiness index in Bhutan. Uh, not that Bhutan has everything you know nailed down, but they do have a happiness index and they do look out for the happiness of their other people that live there. And we don't have anything like that here in the US, but that is something that's important to them. And so they do every year look at what level of happiness do the people that live here have, because we understand that we want to be able to be a part of that and provide that. Imagine if we had that here, if instead of looking at the gross national product, if instead we looked at happiness index and we were like, well, it's not all about income and capital and profit. How are people doing? Are they thriving? And how can we reorient that and make that more of a center point? Imagine living in that kind of world. Um, and I know anything that starts bumping into socialism makes some people upset. I'm here for it. I was pro Bernie. I was all in. I loved his politics. His, he had an eye on environmentalism and racism. I was all about it, but not everything's going to go my way, but yes, um, Biden and Kamala Harris, I'm all in y'all need to be in as well. Coming up next though, let's talk about some lies, lies around heartbreak. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And now we're going to talk about myths and lies that come up for us around heartbreak. So heartbreak is a real break. When we truly attach to someone, our neurology wires together, our nervous systems, and we do become a feedback loop and we do become a system that's healthy. And so when people talk about codependence infusion. I'm like, well, that's an, that's actually a healthy part of relationship. And that's part of biology, interpersonal neurobiology. We don't have an ability to short circuit that, nor do we need to. I like people fusing. I like people thinking about us and we. Um, that is part of what happens in a healthy, strong relationship. Now, when a relationship ends, yeah, those neural connections need to wither away and separate. Um, our nervous systems need to disconnect. We are psychologically and emotionally bound. We have a social identity together. That's my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my husband, my wife, my partner, whatever it is. So there's a lot of different levels of things that need to be resolved. Again, it's the social identity. It's the psychological and emotional expectations and the fantasies and the dreams we had of who we were and what we we're going to do. The biological connection. There's so much in there. And so, you know, remember when you're going through a heartbreak, you want to take time away. You might be physically removed, but make sure you're also psychologically and emotionally removing yourself, which means stop going on their social media. It keeps you connected and close and it doesn't allow the healing process or moving on and also stop talking about them. People tend to ruminate. Again, that keeps yourself very psychologically, emotionally connected and still in the relationship. And part of moving on is turning away and moving on at times. I love the idea of leaving without burning it down. Don't leave with bad behavior. It leaves the capacity to maybe be friends again at some point, maybe even get back together. Who knows? But always focus on how you exit. And as I've told people before, when you're meeting someone for the first time to date, find out how their last relationships or prior relationships ended. And if they talk about how horrible it was and how bad the people are, it's not a good sign. It's a red flag that they don't leave lovingly. They choose unhealthy partners. And it's not great. Um, so the first myth we want to look at is people immediately go to, it must be about me. What did I do wrong? Rarely is it about you. Usually it's about the lack of compatibility or chemistry, which involves you, but it's not about who you are as a person. And you don't need to necessarily change because you don't want to change for that person because the new person might actually be best suited for who you are. So when we're talking about the lack of chemistry being there, or we're not just that, we're not really that compatible. What happens when our personalities come together is not the best. Um, that's not about you. It involves you, but it's not about you. We need to know that. That like that's just part of the process. Dating and relationships are finding out: are we do we have chemistry? Do we have compatibility? And if not, we want to exit. That's part of healthy dating: is realizing it's not there. And that's why I tell people: make sure you're showing up and dating authentically, so you can really assess compatibility. Because at some point, you're, the real you shows up, and you don't want to find out down the road that it, that you weren't compatible, and then you put all that time, effort, and energy, and you're connected, and you got to go, right? 
Also, some people think, talk, talk, talk. No, I think it's a little problematic when someone always says, do you want to talk about it? Sometimes, yes. You want to be close, connected. You want support. You want to process. Mental health is about the ability to talk. Mental health is also about the ability to realize, I'm going to set a boundary around that. I'm having a good day. I'm in a good space. I'm moving on. I don't want to open that up and re-enter that. I don't necessarily want to bring that into my day. I don't necessarily want to drop down into my mood of disappointment and frustration. So it's okay to not want to talk a lot about it. I often say it to some of my friends, look, I've processed it. Thank you for holding that space. I really just want to move on. I want to separate out from this person. I don't want them or the relationship to continue to be tied to who I am and brought into my conversations. Because remember, that person isn't around anymore, but conversations and going to their social media is the way you keep bringing them back in. Let it go, right? Stay off their social media. If that means you have to unfollow, do it. Block, do it. Whatever you need to do. Um, also this idea of disc of closure. I just need closure. No, you don't. You're just trying to stay connected and you're holding hope. We don't get closure. Closure is not a real thing. You often are not going to be gifted being told by the partner why it didn't work. Feel free people when you leave to tell people that but you're often not going to get that. And wanting closure is often, I just don't want to actually accept that this is over. I want to stay connected one last time, or I want to maybe try to make it work. If you want to try to make it work, try to make it work, but we have to release this whole sense of closure. Also, um, focus on everything else in your life. Like that's the beautiful moments of a breakup is this reorientation. What if I maybe not been paying most attention to? Maybe what, what does my, my attention need to go to? And I always say new novel things are one of the ways we get through a breakup. Add joy and excitement to your life. Create some new novel things. Reconnect with people, take trips, return to some art practice, hobbies, whatever it is, career changes. That's what I did when my um, engagement ended is I got back into some training programs and I reconnected with friends that I drifted away from and I've recentered that in my life and I hold closer to that. Also, this idea that there, that, that person was the one. There is no the one, there's just one. So there's many people that can meet, that we can meet and that can fit into our lives at different times in different ways. And as we evolve and change, I hope when you look back, those people might not make sense to you anymore. The people that you wanted so badly no longer would fit into your life. I know that's the case for me. I think of some of the people that I was bummed out to not be in a longer term relationship with. And now I look back and I go, thank God, the life we would have built or the person I was then is not who I'm now. It's not who I want. And that's why I value getting into long-term relationships later in life. When I'm more of a solid person, I'm more stabilized. I don't think people should be getting married in their early years. I think it's a horrible decision. I think you don't know who you are. And I think you're missing out on really important social and sexual developmental milestones, relational as well. Date a lot and have a lot of sex in your teen years, your 20s, even your 30s. Once you get in your 30s, I'm more confident with someone entering a serious relationship. But during your 20s, no. Nope. Stay single, date a lot, have some committed things, some looser things, some casual things, practice boundaries, courtship, all these things, you know what I mean? But there's a delay in all of that and a removal of that if we get into something serious, committed, and monogamous in our teenage years or our early 20s. That's not the time for those things, right? It's a time of learning and growing. So, you know, heartbreak's tough and give yourself the time to process it. There's no certain amount of time. I don't believe that after a certain time, it's more problematic. Some people have a different journey based on other factors in their life or what we've really put into this relationship, right? So some losses have more weight and others less, you know, be where you are. But um, coming up next is question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. That's on our Loveline page in the stories. And then we're going to be doing some DMs. Um, we'll be back, though, in two minutes. Two-minute promise. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, time for question of the night. Nine out of ten expecting millennial families 
have searched what their baby's zodiac sign will be so they can learn how to raise them better. Question of the night is, have you done this? And is it a good idea? Oh, I got to get my uh, astrologer back on. Look, something I don't know much about, something I think that has some positive benefits and qualities too. I'm not 100% all in on it. I love some astrologers, the ones that talk about how you have to hold it loosely. You have to apply it to different contexts. It's not hard-lined. Some really beautiful stuff out there. But again, it's nothing I've ever really gotten that powerfully deep into. I don't know anything about anyone else's sign. I know nothing really about mine. I just know who I am. And I know personally, if someone's like, oh, tell me about your sign. I'm like, I can't tell you much about that, but I can tell you who I am as I know myself to be. But again, we're relationally created. We're different. We're a different person based on the relationships we're in. I'm, I'm one way when I'm with my mom. I'm another when I'm with my best friend. I'm another when I'm with my partner. It all shifts and changes. I'm another when I'm with employers or employees. Yeah, we have many different selves. We're many different people in many different times in many different ways, always changing, always co-created, responding to who's in front of us. Yeah, there's core self attributes that are consistent, but even that has a little bit of a change. So you know, we're always kind of in motion. And it's interesting to see how the Zodiac can align with that. But again, question of the night is, have you done this? Is it a good idea to check up on the baby of the future Zodiac sign and what it will mean for them? Look, I'm more about that than I am with the gender reveal because we all know gender is something the individual tells us. We decide our gender. You can't tell from birth based on anatomy what someone's gender is. So you're guessing, you're assuming. And what makes me nervous is you're gonna really put them in that. Oh, you saw a penis? Uh Uh-oh, I guess everything's gonna be blue and toy trucks. Like that's really limiting. So it's not about removing gender, although I'm totally here for that. It's about just letting people be who they are and giving them multiple options. Zodiac has a little bit more freedom in that, I think. So again, question of the night is, have you checked it out? Would you do it? First person said, I don't think zodiac signs are an exact predictor of behavior. They can guide it, but it ain't it. <laughs> yes, that's that's kind of my thinking. Well said. Somebody else said, um, best idea. <laughs> I love it. Say more, say more. Uh, your name has the word tarot in it, so you might have a little bit more to say about that. Tell us, tell us. I have a really good friend, super smart, one of the smartest people I know, and he's done a tarot reading for me, and it was meaningful. It was really powerful. It actually gave a lot of value, and it led to me and him having a really deep, beautiful conversation. And so I'm not opposed to anything complimentary, alternative, distant, um, I'm sorry, different, creative, if it helps us. And that's where we talk about things like plant medicine and ayahuasca. If it has a positive impact, I'm here for it. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out how to utilize it. And for many, tarot and astrology helps them. Great. Do it. I don't believe that there's such a thing as truth or realness. Um, everything's a little um, contextual. Uh, we have to look at its time and place in history and culture. And so a lot of things have a lot of possibility of helping and healing that might not be familiar or part of our culture. It doesn't mean it doesn't have value. So again, question of the night is rooted in nine out of 10 expecting millennial families have searched for the baby zodiac sign so they can learn how to raise them. Have you done this? And do you think it's a good idea? Someone said, to be honest, my husband and I purposefully got pregnant in late January to try to have a Libra, an October baby. Guess who's due in three weeks? Aw, well, I'm an October baby and I'm a Scorpio. (laughs) So I hope it lands on the exact day to get your Libra baby. I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're hoping that means. But again, that might change depending on your baby's gender, sexual orientation, the relationships they're in. That's gonna amplify certain traits, quiet down certain traits, remove other traits, right? Um, But I'm a Scorpio and I think we do pretty good. So if it's a Scorpio baby, congrats, you're welcome. Somebody else said, my wife is all into this. We're expecting in January and she's bought every birthstone for our baby's room she can. Oh, that's sweet. You're excited. You know what I mean? And it's adorable to see where people go with their excitement. But congrats. That's awesome. Uh, Somebody else said, I'm a Gemini. So no one likes us. But it'd be cool to plan a little mini me. Poor Gemini's. 
Um, slide the DMs and weigh in on this. Dude, Gemini's really got that bad of a rap. I know my ex-fiance was a Gemini and oh no, y'all. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want to date a Gemini again if they if some of those traits hold true. Sending out love, care, and acceptance to all Geminis. I know that sounded very um stereotypical and or stereotyping, and it is, it is. Those those wounds take time to heal, although we're still close, tons of love. One of the things I always say is I love all my exes still. The love is still there and they're all in my life on different levels. And I hope to always keep them there. And my new relationship values that I'm friends with my exes. Why? Because we trust each other. There's an, and, and, and my partner's thankful and happy that I'm happy and I have good people in my life, right? And sometimes when we, go, when we get into a romantic relationship with someone, the expectations and the pressures change. So if you really want someone to be in your life forever, keep a friendship. But not everyone's meant to pull off the romantic stuff. And we weren't. We're better as friends. As friends, it's close. It's tight. There's a lot of love there. But when we entered into a romantic sexual dynamic, it just made things a little complicated and difficult. The expectations shifted. And we didn't do so well with it. And we realized that. And we ended it. And we've moved back into now more of a friend place. And it's awesome. And um, it's an addition to my life. And I hope that for all of you. All right, y'all. That's our question tonight. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. Always there. So weighing on the next one for tomorrow. Coming up next, DMs. But we'll be back in two minutes because we got that two-minute promise. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Finally, DMs is brought to you by my friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Yesenia. I've been dating my girlfriend for about four years. Before her, I had a relationship with a man for five we had two kids who are now nine and eight. The last two years, my girlfriend has stopped helping. She went through a depression, which I totally understand, but the problem now is that she doesn't want to get out of it. I've offered to get her into therapy. I've offered to get her a job. No to everything. All she does is sleep. Last week, I had to work, and so my girls who are doing school from home got hungry and couldn't wake her up, so they tried to cook an egg. They ended up burning the pan, which she finally woke up to and then got mad at them and mad at me saying that she had to throw out a pan. Look, I feel like I've been patient and I feel like I've been understanding, but now my girls are not safe and I don't have time to take care of her. Is that wrong? No. You know, it's difficult, right? People that are suffering from mental health struggles, especially like depression, it's really hard for them to take care of themselves, take care of others. Their energy is low, maybe a bleak perspective on the future. But again, it's that whole inability to really care for self and the smallest things feel really exhausting and overwhelming. And so, yeah, I think right now, putting the responsibility on her to be a caregiver is beyond what she can manage. So yes, you need to not make her a caregiver. Right now, she can't provide that, which means you need to provide a caregiver. You have to shift whatever responsibilities were on her. Now, having said that, I do think it's okay to be in a relationship with someone, and if their mental health stuff is impacting you, you have a right to take care of yourself and to set some boundaries and say, listen, I want to be here for you, but in order for me to be here for you in this relational way, you need to be working on this. And it's okay, and this is hard to hear, and some people are not going to like this, but it's okay if it's not, if that person isn't taking whatever care they can for themselves. It's okay for you to say, listen, maybe we need to evolve into a different relational style. Maybe right now we need to just be friends, or maybe we shouldn't be in a, whatever it is, because it's having a negative impact on you, and we get to look at both. How is the, our partner doing and how's that impacting us and the rest of our lives? Because your partner's mental health needs to be taken care of and have care and compassion, but that doesn't mean that you give up your life and your life is taken down because of it. And so I do want to continue to advocate for you trying to help your partner get into some treatment, whether it's medication and therapy, lifestyle change, whatever it is, keep supporting them. But I think the focal point that I'm worrying about right now is your children. 
And so your children should not be left alone with your girlfriend. She's not in a position to look out for them. So that's what you need to address first is the safety of your kids. That means daycare, a babysitter, you working from home. I don't know what changes that is, but you can't be relying upon her. Maybe the baby's father needs to step in. I'll let you figure that out as a family, but you need to make her part of that conversation. Listen, I love you. I realize this is an unfair responsibility to put upon you. So I'm going to send the caretaking needs to someone else. But in the meantime, for us to continue on this relationship, you need to seek help. And I understand it's hard. I understand it's difficult. I'll help you do that. But if you're not willing to, I can't continue to stay in this relationship because it's having a vast negative impact on my own mental health. And hopefully that's motivating because she needs a little handholding and a little love. And I hear that's that, that I hear that that's there, but everyone's mental health matters as much as that person's as well, right? So we gotta look out for everyone. But good luck with, with that. I mean, my heart goes out to you. It's very difficult because this person is doing the best they can. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. And we want you to explore with confidence. All right, y'all, tomorrow night, we got the I'm Listening show. That will be at 6 p.m. And that is across two. 230 stations in the U.S. I got the links up on all my socials. It's going to be awesome. It's me and Yes Your Tease from Amp 97.1. And we're going to be co-hosting along with a plethora of athletes and musicians. Katy Perry, Alanis Morissette, Demi Lovato. You know these names. Um, Devin Kagan from Guns N' Roses are all going to be joining us and talking about mental health, COVID, and suicide prevention because it's Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. So we have tons of experts. Phone lines will be open. You can call in and join us. And then Thursday, I'm listening live on all the radio.com handles, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, uh, sitting down with some experts and celebrities, also talking about mental health and COVID. And that can be all the past episodes checked out on all the radio.com handles. And as always, Loveline is podcasted over at wearechannelq.com. So check them out and pick up my books. You got all the time in the world. Do some reading, Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love. That is our show. As always, thanks for hanging out. And you all have an awesome, awesome and beautiful night.